It is awesome to get to see you all today. And uh, I don't know about you, but man, if you were at sir, if you if you participated in serve day, you might be like me. I, I, I won't lie, I'm, I'm a little sore this morning. I'm a little sore. It was a little slow getting out of bed. You know, a little bit. Uh, there were a lot of sore. Some people were a lot of sore. Some were a little sore. Some were a lot of sore. That's awesome. Well, uh, listen, uh, I just want to say uh, on behalf of Amy, myself, and uh, our board staff, Michelle, uh, thank you so much for everybody who helped participate with Serve Day. Uh, you guys made an incredible, incredible difference. Uh, we're going to, over the next couple weeks, try to unpack some of the awesome stories that happened out of Serve Day. But just to give you a quick recap in case you maybe uh, didn't know or you missed it, uh, yesterday we had more than 80 people uh, help serve in 12 different areas. That's right. I mean, look, we were in Millsboro and Georgetown and Seaford, and we were in shelters. We were uh, serving uh, meals. We were cleaning parks. We were picking up trash in the back of the road uh, or on the side of the road. I can tell you right now, I had to tell everybody when uh, – when I got back to church, I said, look, if anybody gets in my car, I've not been drinking, I promise. It's just all the bags of trash I was picking up and collecting and carrying around. Because, boy, I got in, I was like, woo, it is strong in here. I was like, sounds, sounds like Pastor Curtis got a bar in his car. It's, it's bad. It's bad. So, uh, but, uh, no, seriously, though, thank you so much for everybody uh, that, that participated. And, by the way, if you missed it, don't worry. We uh, we do smaller serve projects throughout the year. In fact, I'd encourage you, if you enjoy uh, just kind of getting together, being the hands and feet of Jesus, uh, we actually have a serve team list that you can get signed up on on the website, and we'll let you know when projects kind of arise throughout the year. And if you're able to make it, it's awesome. Miss Ma uh, Maureen and Miss Mary Beth helped to uh, to lead and to run all that. It's It's been so good. But I also want to say this morning, welcome. If those of you that are joining us maybe for the very first time, whether here in person, if you're online with us, thanks so much for being with us. And listen, we would love, if this is your first time here, uh, text the word welcome to 302-205-1320. And uh, when you text that word welcome to that number that's on the screen, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to be uh, invited to fill out a digital connection card. Uh, and this is just a way so we can kind of keep up with you, so we can pray over you, and we can just make sure that we can reach out and see if there's any way uh, that we can uh, we can help you in your spiritual walk. Uh, and if you're in person today and you're like, Pastor Curtis, I don't do all that, uh, you know, that text and stuff, uh, so that's fine. You actually have a connection card in the seat pocket in front of you as well for that. Uh, and I just want to, again, uh, thank you for everybody who helped uh, to to give. Uh, when you give to Discover Church, whether you do it on a reoccurring basis uh, online or you, you do it here in person and the receptacles in the back of the room on your way out, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for doing that. It is because of the generosity of the people of Discover Church that we can pull anything near what we pulled off for, uh, for Serve Day. So uh, if you, if you want to know, uh, I mean, we, um, we were feeding people. And in fact, actually, I, I want to tell you a real quick, uh, a, a, a small, cool story. Uh, God spoke to me yesterday in a real way. So I, 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 was, I was zipping around Georgetown yesterday like a madman. I, I almost needed a, a golf cart or a scooter or something. I needed something to get me around town a little faster uh, to get me through traffic. Uh, but yesterday, uh, one of the things uh, that your generosity did actually 
is as I was coming through the circle in one of my 700 times, I drove around the circle yesterday. I, I, I was uh, like NASCAR yesterday, just driving laps. Uh, and uh, one of my times driving through the circle, uh, there was a, a couple that was getting married and getting wedding pictures taken in the circle. Some of you, if you served yesterday, you might have actually seen that on your way through. Uh, one of the things uh, that I kind of felt led to do, I was like, come on, it, th- how do you know, you, you can't have serve day where we're going to go be the hands and feet in Jesus and ignore a couple getting married that's like a stone's throw from the church, right? And so I, I come back to the church real quick, and I, I grabbed, a, I grabbed a, a check, and I went out there, and I, I tracked them down just before. It was super stalkerish, okay? I got them right before they got in their car, and I was like, hey, hold on, guys. And I'm, I'm like jumping out of the car while I'm putting it in park. And so I said, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to meet you guys, and, and they introduced themselves as getting married and getting ready to move in the house next week and stuff like that. And I was like, well, look, I was like, uh, you know, I'm from Discover Church. we got a serve day this today, and I just wanted to say uh, I wanted to give you a little wedding gift, if that's okay. And so on behalf of your generosity, you helped to uh, exceed expectations for a family that was getting married yesterday that had no idea. I told them I didn't have time to wrap it, but I think it fits. So I, I handed them handed them that, and so that, that's some of the stuff that your generosity did just yesterday, okay, that was just, and that's just one of hundreds of stories that we could probably tell, so, so thank you, thank you so much for, for doing that, um, but uh, I know that you probably expected me to, to preach at some point today, I'm going to get to it, so uh, uh, it's, uh, it's so awesome, we've uh, been in a series here that we're calling uh, Change Your World, and it's basically by a book uh, that John Maxwell wrote. If you're interested in checking the book out, we've got a copy in the uh, in the the welcome area there with a QR code you can scan to purchase from Amazon if you're interested in. Uh, but uh, but it's a it's a great little series that's really helping us to understand the concept and the ideas of how for you and I when we live our everyday lives. How do we make sure that we are actually taking the opportunity to go out and make a difference in our world? Because we know the world feels like a really really big place, and so we sit there and say, well, well how how can I, in my one little teeny corner of the world, how can I make a difference in it? But I, I think that we absolutely can. In fact, when we, uh, when we read the Great Commission, it's going to be on the screen here, Matthew chapter 28. I want you, I want you to do me a favor. I, I, I want you uh, to say one word, uh, and it's the second word of the uh, verse there. It says, therefore, do what? It says, Go. It says, therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It says, in teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely, guess what? I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. And how about this? What about this? It says in Mark 16, 15, it says, he said to them, what? He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so, listen, I want to take just a second here, especially after serve day, because this is such a great opportunity and a moment for us to understand this. See, at Discover Church, uh, if you are part of Discover Church, or maybe this is your very first time here, you have no clue. Uh, For us, we don't have what we would say a a super traditional structure here. See, what we have is we have pastors that lead the church. We have a board that helps oversee uh, the finances and make sure that the direction of the church, we're, we're going to fulfill our mission and our vision. Uh, but we don't really have what we, d- we consider traditional members at Discover. See, at church uh, membership, if you maybe grew up in church, church membership is like one of those things where you're like, yeah, yeah, like I get signed up and then I've got my seat and then like I sit in my seat every week and, you know, some churches like, you know, you, you get maybe like a cemetery plot, which is always cool. I guess you get a piece of, that's cool because you get church membership and a piece of land, you know what I mean, you know? 
Uh, we don't have, if that's what you're looking for, we don't have any of that, okay? Uh, we don't have any of that. Uh, if you, uh, we don't really even have any land to bury. If you want to start digging the parking lot up, I guess we could uh, do that. That's a little weird, you know what I mean? Be like, yeah, I'm come to visit my so-and-so. I parked right on her. So, but, you know, that, that would be weird. So, so we don't have any of that, okay? Uh, but what we do have, what we, we call them go team members. And the reason we call them go team members is simply this, is because just what it says here, we are commanded to go. We're commanded to do stuff. We're, go, we're commanded to go be Jesus to the world, which is what we did through Serve Day. And so for us, uh, you know, when I read this scripture, really this scripture is where the, the go team, the name for the go team kind of came out of because I was like, well, we could call them members, but that doesn't, uh, you know, do me any good. And we, we talked about other things. I'm like, go team. You know why? Because if you're part of Discover Church and you, you, you want to consider yourself a quote-unquote a member, you want to be on mission with us, then guess what you're helping us do? You're helping make us go. Go. You're, you're what powers it. People tell me all the time, uh, Pastor Curtis, I, I hear nothing but, you know, when I'm out in the community, Pastor Curtis, I hear nothing but great things about Discover Church. I'm like, good, I didn't do any of it. Because guess what? I, I'm one little teeny piece to the puzzle, and it is you who show up continually. It's the people that are right now serving in our D.C. kids areas. It's Miss Chanel who is serving with 302 Youth. It's those of you who, who help uh, make coffee and, and, and seat people and usher and, and uh, the worship team. And, and, and there's so many more. It's those uh, that help show up in, in the middle of the week to, to keep the church clean. You know, there's so many things that happen. And so for us, though, I, I think it's easy for us no matter whether we're on the go team or maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay, but it's easy for us, I think, to start to kind of miss some things, uh, you, you know, to, to miss a little bit of what's going to go on. So today, I want to let you know that if you wanted a crazy, complicated sermon with like 17 bullet points and 16 subheadings, that's not today, okay? We're going to keep today relatively simple, but I think we got to keep it relatively simple sometimes because how many of you know that sometimes the simplest stuff is the hardest stuff to figure out, Right? right? Like when your doctor simply tells you, you just simply need to work out more, right? And you're like, yeah, that sounds simple until I go do it. And it's horrible. Why do we want to do this? Nobody wants to go do this. Go sweat, you know? Uh, and, and so for us, sometimes the simple stuff can actually, it can be kind of the hard stuff. And, and so today I, I want to really talk with you for just a few moments here about how, you know, when it comes to the great uh, commission, when it comes to the fact that we're supposed to go and make disciples, that we're supposed to go into all the world, and so we're, we're supposed to go in Jesus' name out there, you know, how many of you realize that uh, sometimes if you, if you can't see something, it's hard to make a difference? It, when you can't see stuff, so we, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that we, you and I, we can't reach what we can't see. And so for us, uh, I even had the opportunity through some of the different things we had happening yesterday, people People would say, I, I had no, I had no idea. Like, I, I kind of knew theoretically that this existed or that these people existed or that this thing was here. But it was so incredible, like, to go and to experience it. Because guess what? When you experience it, you get to see it. You get to see what it looks like. You know, like yesterday, uh, I was with the Georgetown Clean the Town crew, re represent Georgetown Clean the Town crew. I don't know how many bags of trash you picked up. It was quite a few. I think Millsboro might have beat us, though. I think if you're in the Millsboro Clean Town, I think you beat the Georgetown crew, but only by a little bit, only because you found a dirtier street than we did, okay? So, but, uh, but no, so, so we, um, we, we, were, we were going through, and, and you know, the incredible thing, I, I told somebody this. I was like, you know, I, I knew that there was some trash out there, 
but you don't really know it's really there there until you start looking for it. And then all of a sudden you're like, good Lord, there's like a lawn chair out here. How long has this been here on the side of the road? Like there's a part of a bumper. Who's missing a bumper? Like how did you not come back and get this, you know? And so it's easy to miss the things that we can't see because we just kind of miss it. That's like uh, if you uh, have ever had kids, uh, if you got kids, especially little kids, and you get up in the middle of the night, whether you're trying to make it from your bed to the bathroom or like you actually have to venture, the dangerous one is when you have to venture out into the rest of the house, isn't it? Because when you have to venture out into the rest of the house, that's when you find that Lego that you thought was picked up that's not. And it's, it's dark and you can't see it and you step on it and then the next thing you know, you're woke the whole house up, right? Like, like it's just one of those things where that happens. Or, or how about this? Uh, this happens to us all the time if you live in the Georgetown Millsboro area, right? Uh, we have the spot where uh, we have to merge. Now, some people, you don't understand how to merge, okay? I want to let you know that that's not good, all right? I need to do a whole sermon series on how to drive in Sussex County, okay? But, but, that's, but how about this? We, we try to merge, and, of course, we know... And, and you all have done some of this, too, right? I know you have because, you know, like you got somebody merging, but you don't look at them, do you? You're like, I'm going to fix my eyes straight ahead because if I don't acknowledge that they're there, I don't have to let them in. They're not even there. You're just a fiction of my imagination. You're just like imaginary person over here. But the second all of a sudden you, you see the person and they're just like, can you please? Like, I just wanted my Dunkin' Donuts. I'm just trying to go to work. Will you please let me in? Then all of a sudden you're like... Jesus, I guess I have to let them in, don't I? And so isn't it funny that, that when that happens, we actually, when we see them, it becomes so much harder to ignore the situation, doesn't it? It becomes like a harder spot for us. For, for when we actually, when we see this happens. How about uh, for those of you, uh, some of us, uh, you, you maybe have been on like a mission field before. And it's crazy because we know that in, uh, you know, in our towns and in our county and our, our nation, we know we have problems, right? But then we get to go to another country to realize that what we thought was problems isn't even remotely close to a problem, isn't even remotely close when these people have absolutely nothing and they're sleeping on dirt floors and you realize that, you know what, it's not that bad. You know, me getting up and complaining about getting up to work and go to work early. Well, you know what? Uh, at least I have a bed to sleep on today. And so we realize that isn't it funny that what we can't see doesn't seem to be a problem. But the second we see it, all of a sudden we notice something. There's something that happens there that uh, kind of like God like shines the light bulb. And all of a sudden you're like, yes, that's one of my sons. That's one of my daughters. Look at them. See them. Experience them. And and I, I want to let you know, by the way, this is not like to try to, to try to beat anybody up because it happens to all of us. We all kind of get in the mode where we're in a hurry, we're rushing, we're whatever, and the next thing we know, we kind of, you know, we put ourselves on autopilot and we just show up somewhere. But uh, how many of you know that this actually happened to the disciples too? And that, I, it makes me so good. I'm so glad we have the Bible. I'm so, I'm so glad we have the Gospels. We get four accounts of Jesus' life. And I am so glad that, uh, and by the way, if you ever want to know uh, how you can trust the Bible, because I would think that the, that the, the disciples specifically that, that helped write the New Testament, I would imagine that if I'm going write to write a book, right, I'm going to make myself look good, 
right? And, and they, they so oftentimes, like, leave stuff in, and I'm like, guys, you guys were kind of stupid, weren't you? Like, you weren't that smart. Like, thank you for leaving that in. That gives me hope, you know what I mean? That gives me uh, a little bit of a hope and a future there. Listen, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter uh, 4 here this morning for a few minutes. And uh, obviously, if you don't have your Bibles, I encourage you to download the Version Bible app on your phone. It's a really great, easy way for you to carry God's Word with you all the time. We also have paper versions here we give away if you're interested. But uh, we're going to look here at a story where uh, the disciples, they actually, uh, the, the disciples get sent on an errand. Now, I don't know, they must be like middle school girls because I don't know why it takes all the disciples to go run the errand because Jesus is left by himself. Or maybe Jesus was just sick of them, and he was just like, look, all of you go. go get All of you go get the loaf of bread. I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, leave me alone for a second. And so anyway, so the, all the disciples, though, they, they're not with Jesus. They go on an errand, and Jesus, because it's a desert, right, and he finds himself a little bit thirsty. And, and so Jesus, he's thirsty. He goes up to this well, and so something happens here. And, and it's easy for us really to miss the implications of this story but something really, really incredible happens here. Here's another great reason to follow Jesus, because Jesus was a barrier breaker, okay? Jesus, he did not care what the barrier of the situation was. He totally, it made no difference to him. So Jesus goes up to a Samaritan woman, and if you don't know, Samaritans and Jews did not talk. They did not interact. Like, it was like, you stay on your side of the road, I'm going to stay on my side of the road, which is why we actually get stories like stories of the Good Samaritan in Scripture, which is supposed to, like, help shake us because these were two cultures that did not interact. And Jesus actually goes up to this woman, and he does something incredible. He acknowledges her. He has a conversation with her, and he changes her life. And the incredible thing is, is when he actually recognized her as a Samaritan, first he actually breaks down a racial barrier there. Like, he's just like, it doesn't matter, like, who you are. I'm going to be here, and we're going to have a conversation. And the second part I think is incredible is at this time, it, we don't think anything about this, but, but like, men and women, like, you, you didn't talk. Like, the women stayed to the women, and the men stayed to the men, and, and that was it. Th there was no, like, cross crossover there, right? And so Jesus is like, I don't care that you're a woman. I don't care that you're a Samaritan. I don't care. I just want to let you know that I have something here for you. And so the incredible thing is, is Jesus actually asked this woman for water. She's surprised. She's like, man, like you're different because anybody else, you wouldn't have even acknowledged that I existed. You're different. And so Jesus actually, though I love, so he kind of says, listen, if, if you realize who I was, then guess what you would happen? You would be asking me for a drink. And now at this point, I know she's scratching her head. I would be too. I'd be like, I do not understand what you're talking about. And Jesus is trying to say, listen, I have something greater for you if you'll receive it. And so then Jesus also has this moment where he reads her mail. You know, I don't know if you've ever had anybody like read your mail, but Jesus like totally, he totally like blew this woman's mind. Uh, and, and, and so all of a sudden Jesus tells her, said, listen, uh, I want you to go, go get your husband. And she says, well, well I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, of course, well, I, actually, I, I know you don't have a husband. In fact, you got a man that you're living with. You've been married five other times, you know, but, but and, and of course, at that point in time, I can imagine her, draw, her jaw just has dropped, and she's just like, what, who, how, what's, like, what is happening here? What I love, though, we're going to pick this up in 
John chapter 4, verse 27, what I love here is what happens when the disciples return. It says in verse 27, it says, just then the, the disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. And it says, but no one asks, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Now, I don't know sometimes if you have this happening, but sometimes I read the Bible, and I'm like, why why is this here? Like, why is this verse here? Why, like, why is this important? And, and I think it's interesting to remember that, that as th- this is getting written, that nobody thought to ask this. And then in verse 28, it says, then leaving her water jar, after the woman realizes that something is different with Jesus, that there's something happened, the woman goes back to town and she says to all the people, she says in verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever did. He says, could this be the Messiah? She recognizes it. In verse 30, they come, and here's the thing. She comes out, and when she comes out, guess what? She has the whole town with her. She's got everybody is coming to see Jesus. Now, with the whole town on its way, remember that she's left, and the disciples are sitting there with Jesus. And, of course, the disciples don't really, like, connect all the dots. Again, the disciples make me feel good because I'm like, I'm like them sometimes. I don't connect all the dots. And, and they're sitting there saying, Jesus, please, in, in verse 31 here, please eat something, Jesus. You look peckish. You look like you're just about to fall out. Will you, Jesus, please eat something. And then in verse 32, I love it. He says to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the next thing you know, the disciples are like, he's got heat stroke. He's talking crazy. Like, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, what? Is, and, and then the disciples, they look to each other, and, and they don't get it because they're like, did, did somebody else bring him food? Is that what the woman was here for? Like, what's going on? And in verse 34, he says, Jesus is my food is to do the will of, the, of him who sent me and to finish his work. Verse 35 says, don't you have a saying that is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes. And look at the fields that are ripe with harvest. It is so incredible because I love the fact that the disciples who walked with Jesus, the Son of God, who seen him do every number of miracles, still did not get it. They didn't see it. They couldn't open their eyes to understand exactly, exactly what was happening here. And, 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 and I love that. So, Here's what I know. I, I actually have pretty good eyesight. I don't know about you, but my eyes, I, I won't say it's, I'm utter perfection, but I, I, can, I can see pretty well. Amy is, eh, look, daytime vision is like, okay, nighttime vision is pretty bad. If you ever see her driving at night, you might just want to avoid her, okay? Like, just, just be like, let, let her have the leeway, okay? You know, but, but now we also have in the office, we have Chanel, who's our next-gen leader, and Chanel uh, I found out she doesn't have very good eyesight. Uh, she wears contacts and glasses in the whole nine yards. And, and so I, I found out because she always makes fun of me uh, because on my computer, uh, you know, I just have the standard, you know, whatever font size for like email and stuff. And she'll come up, ask her to read something. And she's coming up. And if this is the computer, she's like, how can you? How can you see that? You know, like, like she's got to get like right up on it. Like she's got to get close. And I'm just like, 
what do you mean? You can't, you can't read that? I can read this from across the room. Like, what's wrong with you? And, and so I found out that Chanel, uh, uh, she, she suffers from nearsightedness, which is the opposite of what it sounds like. And, and so uh, she actually has issues with, with, with far away, or I get that back backwards sometimes. It's one of those ones. I'm like the ophthalmologist. I think they did it to confuse the whole world. Uh, but anyway, and, and so what we find is that, you know, uh, she, she has issues, though, where she can see she, she can see up close, but she, she actually she can't she can't see far away. And so the problem is is how many of us have that probably spiritually happening in our lives? We see the up close, we see the immediate, we see the everyday. We know that school is coming, and your kids have a list of stuff to get, and we know that you got to go to work, and that this week's going to be crazy because this this things due and that's due, and you have all these other projects and reports, all that stuff. We know we, we can see the kind of near near, but, but but looking out, we struggle to see the distance. We struggle to see the distance. And and I heard somebody say this. I'm not really sure who, but I thought this was so good. How how do you know if you struggle with spiritual nearsightedness? You know, they, what they said, they said, listen, if, if God answered all your prayers, if God answered all your prayers, would it change the world or just you? And I was like, man, that is so good. Would it change the world or would it change just you? Because, see, if we have spiritual nearsightedness, we're only seeing our immediate circle. We're only seeing my, my little bubble of world. And so all my prayers that I pray to God, God, please let me this. God, please let's do this. And, and so the, the next thing you know, it, it really... Our prayers are pretty much all us. But then all of a sudden, if we, we can see across the spectrum, we recognize that there's something, there's something different happening. And so I, I wanted to, to help you today. I wanted to help try to, and this is going to be a little bit hard. This is a monumental task I'm going to try this morning. But I, I want to, if I can, help tra try to draw your attention to the, the further out, the bigger picture. To, for you to be able to look out into the distance and see the grander design of things that are happening around us and to open our eyes so that we can realize that we're supposed to be carriers to go. We're supposed to be out there in the world to do something. Did you know that this sounds pretty incredible, that the population of the world is somewhere around 7.6 billion people? 7.6 billion people. Now, I don't know, uh, maybe y'all deal with bigger numbers than me, but, like, once I get past, like, a million, I, like... I, that's you've lost me. You know what I mean? Like even a hundred, a hundred million. I, I don't know. But when we get to the billions, I don't even. Know. I'd have to sit here with counting my fingers and toes how many zeros that is. Okay, you know what I mean? Like, like once we get out to a certain spot, like I'm just like that is just such an incredible amount of, pe of people. Seven point six billion people. But here's the thing that most statistics and most analysis show that that roughly here's what we say is that roughly two point four billion of those people are actually Christians. Just to help give you perspective what that means, that means that there are 5.2 billion lost people in the world. 5.2 billion. Billion with a B. Like billion is in, you'll never see a billion dollars. Like billion. Like it's a, lo it's a lot. It's a big number, right? It's a, it's a, it's a massive number. So I, I wanted to try to paint a picture for you as to what that would look like. 
okay? I'm going to do my best here, so hang with me, okay? So here's, here's, here's what we're going to say. We're going to say that, uh, I don't know if you remember this, back in the day uh, of September uh, 1st, 2021, we had a little thing called Hurricane Ida uh, come through. And thank goodness for Delaware. By the way, if you didn't know, you lived in a blessed place. Delaware is a blessed place because we live right on the Atlantic coast, and we very rarely get ma- like any major hurricane damage. Uh, we let other people take that damage, and, and it's exciting that they take it. We pray for them. We're supporting them. But we don't get that damage that, that often. But now Hurricane Ida did kind of come pretty close. We did have a little bit of some storm damage from it, but we know that some of our neighbors to the north actually got it worse in New Jersey and New York. In fact, uh, in the New York area alone, 43 people, 43 people died uh, from Hurricane Ida. And so 43 people, Hurricane Ida was one of those ones where it rained three inches in an hour. And it's just a, 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 tr- a deluge. And people that were living in basement apartments, uh, you know, had trouble getting out in time. And it, it was just this in- incredible thing. But here's the deal. If we were, Chris, could I have you come up? You didn't know I was going to use you as a visual example this morning. But here, come up here for a, a second. And so I, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page because I'm going to give you some, just if you can look this way for me. Yep, just look that way. So here's what we're going to use as measurements, okay? We're going to use Chris because Chris is a great size guy here. We're going to use him as a measurement. But if, if we were to line up here uh, heel to toe, okay, and that's the form of measurement that we're going to use, all right, just to give us an understanding. So imagine that there's Chris, there's me, and that there's, you know, 41 other people for Hurricane Ida. For, for us to get an example and an understanding of what that is, that means that we could almost line the whole front of this room up here all the way across. That's how many people lost their lives in Hurricane Ida. Okay, you with me? So we could almost we could almost fill all the way a straight line all the way across how many people died uh, in September of 2021. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. By the way, give it up for Mr. Chris. He did such a wonderful job. You can get him for all your modeling needs uh, after service if you have any of that. So that's Hurricane Ida. What about this? August 14th, 2021. So this is not, this is not in the far off distant. Like this is last year, okay? In August, um, maybe you remember or maybe you don't because we don't really talk about it all that much. There was actually a hurricane. I mean, I'm sorry. There was an earthquake in Haiti. A- a- Haiti experienced a hur- uh, an earthquake in August 14th, 2021 to the tune of 2,248 people dying. Is devastating. Obviously, if you know anything about Haiti, you know that they don't have great infrastructure anyway. And, 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 and so you would know that this, when this, this, this earthquake happened, it just devastated this nation. Now you say, well, what does that equal? 2,000, because again, 2,000 people, that's just a number to us. Well, if we were to line them up heel to toe and we were to put them in a line, the line for that would be a, a half a mile long. It's a half a mile of people, Okay. How about this? This one just blows me away. December 26, 2004, the day after Christmas. The day after Christmas in the Indian Ocean, there was an earthquake that caused a tsunami. It was a tsunami that affected people in three different continents. It affected the people of Indonesia. It affected Sri Lanka. It affected India. It affected uh, nations as far away as uh, Somalia and Africa. This, This tsunami that came killed 2000 or i mean 277,898 people 277,898 people in one day in one instance 
that's such a huge number. Pastor Curtis, how, how do we even have a concept? Well, if we're going to line people up, heel to toe, front to back, it's going to be 47 miles long. It's from here to Smyrna, from Georgetown to Smyrna, we could line people up. It's that, it's that many people. That's from one incident. I told you all that not to bum you out or devastate you today, this morning. I did all that for us to understand that if there's 7.6 billion people in the world and there's 2.4 billion Christians, that means there's 5.2 billion lost. How do you measure 5.2 billion people? Well, let's say we start right here in our own neck of the world. Let's say we get everybody in a line starting at Georgetown and we head west towards the west coast. Well, we know that we're going to have enough of a line to get to California. And then we know that we're going to have to build the biggest bridge that ever existed across the Pacific Ocean. And we're going to have to get that bridge over to Asia through Japan and through China and across. We're going to go through Europe. We're going to get back to the Atlantic Ocean. And guess what? We're, we're still not done. We have to build another bridge across the Atlantic Ocean to line them up all the way across the ocean so that we can get right back here to Georgetown, Delaware. We've wrapped the earth front to toe with people all the way around. The only problem is, is that's still not enough. We have to do that 124 more times. 124 more times in order to adequately line up the amount of people that we're talking about that are lost. So what do we do, church? What do we do? How, how, how do we equate this to our own lives? How do we do this? This is the day after serve day. You're like, Pastor Curtis, we're supposed to feel good. Well, I want you to feel good, but I also want you to know that we're not done. I want you to understand this simple fact is, is we have to we have to open our eyes. Jesus said we have to open our eyes because the fields are, are white. And, and so the first thing I think we really have to do is we have to see, we have to see where they are. And it's so easy to want to see them in a far-off distant land. But I want to let you know that they're in your life. You interact with them every single day. Every time you go to the grocery store, every time you most likely are at work, every time your kids go to school, every single time we interact with them. But here's, guess what we have to do? We have to be mindful that they're there and not just live our lives every single day as if everything's normal or okay. Proverbs 16, 9 actually says that in their hearts, humans plan the course. In other words, we lay out where we think everything's going to go for our days, our weeks, our years. We're going to lay our whole, map our whole life out. But guess what? But the Lord, he establishes steps. He's the one who has to establish our steps. And, and I love this. Uh, Pastor Andy Stanley, uh, which if you don't know, you ought to check out. He has some really incredible messages and material that he comes out with. And uh, Pastor Andy Stanley actually says, you know, how do we know, like, how to reach these people? And, and he actually came up with this great little thing. It, he calls it the three knots. And he says, you got to listen when you interact with these people for the three knots. And you're like, well, what's the three knots? The, the first one is they're not in church. And not because church is the answer to everything, but church is community. It's how we do life. And so if they don't have community, the chances are they need community. They need life-giving community, one that's actually going to build them up, not tear them down, one that's actually going to be there for them when somebody makes the phone call, when someone goes to the hospital or the situation arises where, uh, you know, the shoe hits the fan. Like, so they need that, that element, that aspect. 
He says the other one is when people say that stuff is not going well. How many times have you ever talked to somebody and they say, how are you doing? It's, man, I tell you, it's, we're, it's been a little bit rough around our heart. Stuff is just, you know, this, that, and the other. And he says that, that, that's, a, that's an open invitation right there. Or, he says, when they're not prepared for. When something happens that they were not prepared for, and all of a sudden, their whole world is flipped upside down in an instance. He says, these are three knots. He says, these are open doors of invitation waiting for us to step in. So we have to take the opportunity to listen and to connect. But guess what we have to do? And this is something that, that I, I think we're doing okay with in Discover. I just want to make sure that I reiterate this. It, is we have to make sure that if we're going to love those people, we're going to make sure we're loving that 5.4. 5. 5. If we're going to make sure we're going to do that, guess what we have to do? We've got to connect with them first. We have to connect with them first before we uh, take any opportunity to try to issue life correction. And, and, and so, so for us, we, we want to take the opportunity to listen and connect. And why do we need to do this? Because we need to see, see who they are. Now, I got a question for you. I want everybody to participate with this because this is a good question. Uh, you ever get irritated with people? Anybody ever get irritated with people? Okay, some of you are lying in church because you're not raising your hand. I know you do. I know some of you have been irritated with me. It's okay. We, we get irritated with each other. Isn't it amazing how often in our world we have such irritations and, and anger and resentment with people? And, and isn't it amazing that we so often the, the world is set up in a way so that we can't see other people as people? We have to see them as enemies or adversaries. If you don't believe me, come on, look at it. We got the left hates the right, and the right hates the left. And we, we have spots where Christians are, are, are anti-Muslims, and Muslims are anti-Christian. And we, you know, we, we, even in school, in school you had the jocks, and then you had the geeks. And, then, and it was the, all, it's the opposites of each other. I mean, even where I live, it's the people that live in Millsboro and the people who live in Long Neck who think they live in Millsboro, but it's not. By the way, I want it's a controversial statement right now. I'm going to stand on it, okay? Long Neck is not Millsboro, okay? All right? I know. That's, that's controversial this morning. But we have to see who they are. We know that there are, are, are lots of reasons to hold grudges. There's lots of reasons for unforgiveness and for anger, but, but when it comes down to it, uh, our goal is not going to be always to agree with everything, but we can come to an understanding with people. We can come to a spot where we can see people as what? People. As God's children. Because guess what? The person, it doesn't matter. If you're a Republican, you pick whatever the, the evilest Democrat is of your whole life. I don't know if that's Nancy Pelosi or whoever. You, you picked a person. Can I blow your mind for just a second? Jesus died for that person just as much as he died for you. If you're a Democrat, listen, you can say whatever you, you can think whatever you want to about Donald Trump or, or Mitch McConnell or who, I don't know, I can't even think of any of the other ones. But it, it, you can think whatever you want to about the Republican Party, but guess what? Jesus died for that person just as much as he did for you. So we're, is our job, our job is to love people because even Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 
he looked out and he saw a crowd. And you know what? He had compassion for them. He didn't come out and say, well, they, they don't believe what I believe. And they think this way. And they do this. And, you know, they, uh, they, they support this person. No, no, no. He looked out and what did he do? He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I think the third one, the third one we have to do here is we have to see what they need. We have to see what they need. And I think for us, we have to recognize that in Christianity so often, we find ourselves in two camps. I've kind of shared about this a little bit in the past, but I think it is so important for us to understand because Christians, uh, you know, churches and Christians and pastors and leaders, we, we love to try to divide ourselves into two camps. We got one camp is, is the grace camp. And in grace, it's just grace, grace, grace. Jesus loves you. It's the greatest, graciest thing ever. He's got so much grace. His grace is overflowing and abounding. His love and compassion for you. And guess what? Is all of that true? Yes. Yes, it is. Guess what you have on the other side of grace, though? You have truth. And truth says, well, I'll tell you what. You're a bunch of sinners, and you're going to go to hell and if you don't get right and come to Jesus right now, Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a white bride, and you better get ready, church. You better come on, and you better repent. Truth. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. But the interesting thing is, is that if we have one without the other, we don't have the full picture. We have to have both. In fact, it actually, it, it, it actually says in John 1.14 that the Word became flesh. That's Jesus. The Word became flesh and was made, it made His dwelling among us that we have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father and He was full of what? Grace and truth. Isn't it amazing that grace came first? Because Jesus knew that He had to have grace with people in order to help them see that their lives needed to be changed. You don't believe me? Look at it. There's so many stories. Look at Zacchaeus. We knew Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the tree to see what he could see, and Jesus wouldn't, now, now if you don't understand that, because you remember maybe that story from uh, the flannel stories of VBS or, or Sunday school or something like that, but here's what we don't remember, right? We don't remember that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was considered the scum of his community because not only did he collect taxes, but he kept a little bit on the side because he had the authority to do it. Jesus could have looked at Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, I condemn you up in your little tree there. Zacchaeus falls out and breaks his neck. I don't know. No. But what does he do? What does Jesus, what does he do? He goes and has lunch with him. Now, we don't know what happens in the lunch. Okay, we don't know what happens in the lunch where Jesus and Zacchaeus have lunch together, but I'd love to know. You know why? Because Zacchaeus comes out and he pays back more over than double all that he ever took from anybody. And I'm like, man, I don't know what Jesus said to him, but I need, to, I want to know. Like, I, that's something I want to find out. What about the woman caught in adultery? What's Jesus do? Jesus first challenges everybody that's standing around with a stone. According to the law at the time, they had every right to stone her. According to the law. Everybody's got stones and they're ready to go. And Jesus kind of gives them this, 
this little mini message, he bends over and he writes down, and we don't know what he writes down in the sand, and the next thing you know is he stands up and he asks her, he says, where are all of your accusers at? They've all dropped their rocks and walked away. Where are they all at? By the way, if you didn't know what that looks like, that looks like grace. And then you know what he tells her after he shows her grace? You know what he says to her? Now go and sin no more. That's truth. There's grace and there's truth. See, in order for us to change our world, guess what? We need to show people the same exact kind of love that God has shown you and he's shown me. And you know what that is? It's the unconditional kind. Because there's good news. It doesn't matter if you're in this place. There's no thing that you've done that was too wrong. There's no thing that you've done that's too great. There's no point of which God is looking at you and he says, oh, well, you are a lost cause. He says, nope. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I love you. I want to ask you, if you would, would you stand with me this morning? John Maxwell, who is the, the man who wrote the book that this series is based off of, he has the opportunity, uh, often he travels around and he speaks to some of the biggest corporations, the, the most influential government officials and leaders, and he gets to talk to them about leadership development, and he lays it out. But one of the things that always happens, and this is kind of like part of his package deal, if you want him to come, this is what he's going to get out of it. What he does is he'll go through the whole, his, his whole uh, sermon, seminar or, or his, whole, his whole speech and he'll lay everything out about it. But then what he does at the end is he invites everyone to come back. They normally take a little break and to come back and to hear more about his story and his testimony for them to share a little bit about who he is. When he comes back and these people walk in the room and they have no idea what to expect, he's letting them know that he's a Christian and how God has changed his life. And he says that he thinks, and I think this is also correct, he, he, he thinks that the reason that most people aren't Christian is because they have a wrong idea of who God is. See, we all have, you, you have, whether you know it, you have a, a, a theology theory, a theory of theology of who you think God is and how it structures in your life. And, and you, you've experienced all of these things. And he says so often he thinks that, that people experience God, but they think about him in the wrong way. And he'll throw a couple images up on the screen. And the first one is normally a gate. And he says, he says, see, some of you, you, you think God is like a gate. Like you, you come up to it, like, but you can't quite reach. Like there's a barrier to keep you away from him. Like you, you just have the wrong view because guess what? The, 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 it's, there's no gate there. You can, you can come in. He says some of us have the view when it comes to God and our relationship with him is of a trash can. Because we think that we've been too wrong. We've done too many bad things. We think that, that there's just too much bad that's gone on in our life, too much that we've experienced that we can't be forgiven for. And so therefore we kind of put ourselves as God doesn't want me. He just wants to discard me and put me to the side. The third one is the endless ladder. 
that we have to constantly try to reach for something. And you got to keep doing works. And you got to show up every Sunday to go to church. And you you got to make sure you come to every single serve day. And you got to volunteer. And, and it's just it's this continual ladder of things that you have to produce that God's going to require so much from you in order to have a relationship with him. And you, so you just keep climbing the ladder. But you can never get there. But he says, in reality, it's simple. It's a free gift. There's nothing he wants from you. There's only things that he wants for you. And, and, and here it is. It's the gift to take it and receive it. So before we get ready to receive communion this morning, I, I want to encourage you to just close your eyes. And maybe if you're in this place and, and you've experienced that wrong view of God, maybe you thought he was something else other than what he really is, that Jesus is that free gift. Listen, I just want to take the moment right now to invite you to receive him into your life. For you to receive God into your life so that he can open your eyes. He can open your eyes to the difference he wants to make. And it's simple. It's the simplest thing. You don't even have to copy my prayer. But if you want a simple prayer that you can just mean from deep inside, you just say, Jesus, I ask that you forgive me. I've lived my own way, and I want to receive the free gift. I want to follow after you. And today, listen, if you can pray that prayer, if you can receive that, then guess what? There's angels that rejoice in heaven right now over the fact that you have come to the loving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And he says the great news is, is that your past has been forgiven. It's been wiped clean. That there's no things that condemn you or hold you back. You don't have to worry about all the bad things that you've done in the past, but you can experience freedom from those things. And so today, Father God, I pray, even for your sons and daughters, that sometimes we still build bad theology in our lives, Father God, about who you really are, that we can come to you today before your table and we can gladly receive. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.